Bay, Rudo, Jesse, Megan, coming to you live on an off day for the Colorado Avalanche. Uh, I'm, I'm going to be honest. This conversation might actually boil them to which NHL player has the most riz. But what for us I... laymans, we're talking about the face of the NHL today. So we'll see. We'll see where the conversation goes. Because I don't think... It's immediately clear who the face of the NHL is currently. It's it, depending on how you want to look at it. Who's the best player in the NHL right now? It's Connor McDavid. Okay, fine. But is he the face of the NHL? Does he put himself out there? Is he interesting enough in interviews? Do people not in Canada that are casual fans know who Connor McDavid is? Was that a rhetorical question? Setting up the show, or are you asking? No, I'm asking. Um, no, I'm sure they've heard the name, but I don't think they could like identify him. You know what I mean? Sure. It's interesting. I'm racking my, oh, sorry. No, 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 no. You're good. I'm racking my brain to when I was being introduced to hockey. There were obvious faces of the NHL. Like even Gretzky still had his footprint on the landscape of hockey. Sidney Crosby, obviously, but Connery David has not carried in a similar fashion. And I would say that Sidney Crosby, just as an example, had the most wild personality there, but I still can recall marketing campaigns that featured him and videos that I watched that were a little funny or interesting that don't spring to mind in the same way with Connor McDavid. And so I don't even want to dunk on him personally that he's just not that interesting. I don't know if he's even been marketed in the same way that I've seen other past faces of the NHL. Sidney Crosby being a great example of it, that I also don't think to like not hockey people, a sport that's already sort of struggling with national recognition. I, I don't know that his face has earned the recognition the way that other faces who've come before him have. So if we're, if we're just jumping into this, I actually I disagree. I think it's I think it is on Connor McDavid. I think the league has tried their hardest to jam Connor McDavid down everybody's throat, and he's just the least interesting person in pro sport. I think he's the the most talented hockey player that has ever existed, ever. But I think he is so unbelievably lame and boring. Picture of him in the airport with the the two like older grandparents is Connor McDavid in a nutshell. And I just think that to your point, Megan, I, I think the past stars of the game, like Sid and Obi, like I think they understood their role in growing the game and making NHL more popular, and that you know they they understood that that part of that rested on them. And to me, McDavid, and I'm not saying he's a bad guy, but like he just has like, yeah, I'm just here to play hockey. I don't really care about anything else. I just want to go out there and play hard and skate fast and score goals. And like, that's it. And the NHL is like, can you give us something? You're the most electrifying player we've ever seen. Give us this much personality. And he just, I just don't think he has in him. I don't think it's like a knock on him. He just, he's just not that guy. In the same way that Nate, just not that guy. And here's my problem. Does the NHL have that guy? 
Yeah, and there's a couple of guys not everybody wants it to be. Okay, well, we'll we'll get to that in a second. You brought up Nathan McKinnon. I I have a bit of confusion here in Colorado because let alone who is the face of the NHL, who is the face of the Avalanche? Is it Kale McCarr or is it Nathan McKinnon or is it Gabe Landeskog? Because I feel like you could make an argument for all three. Here's here's how the question is always posed to me. If you sent each of those dudes one by one through Cherry Creek, who would be recognized the most from one end to the next? I feel like all three of them would be criminally unrecognized. So I think Landeskog has an edge. He's been I with agree. the organization as a captain. I think he's very recognizable. And he is very engaging and charismatic and has done fun things with marketing like those Nuggets Avalanche crossovers with Gary Harris. Those were really fun and they show a little bit of his personal side. I think it'd be Landeskog. I wholeheartedly, I agree with both statements there. I think, I think you'd be shocked at how far those dudes could walk without getting recognized. One, but two, Megan, I think you're right. I, I do think Gabe Landeskog is the face of the franchise and he's embraced that the most. And he's done the most to like, we were just talking about like McDavid and Crosby. He understands that he understands that he has a responsibility to be the face of the team. Um, and so I, I'm with you. I think it would be Gabe. I think he's the face of this team. So here's my problem. Gabe is the one we actually have video proof of going out on the streets of Denver and not being recognized by people. Altitude actually did a, a thing on that a couple of years ago. Now, given they have just won the cup, I think they're probably a little bit more recognizable now. I hope. Mm-hmm. But I I do know that there were a lot of people who didn't recognize Gabe Landeskog a couple of years and, ago. And that... And that should tell you everything because they were like, who, who can we pick that we think some people would recognize? And the fact that it was him and he was still, to your original point, Ruto, very underrecognized. Uh, I, I, I do think it's, I think it's Gabe and I think it's partially because one, he's the captain and two, to Megan's point, he has done a lot to put himself in that position to, to own that. And then just when he's in the lineup, the way that he has always dealt with the media after games and things like that, never shied away from answering questions, you know, standing in after their 11th straight loss in that 48 point season, (laughs) their their third 11 game losing streak of the year. Like he just, he hung in there for everything and he's gone out of his way to make himself the face. I think to be the face of a franchise of a league of a, whatever, you have to want to be that. And that's where I think Nathan McKinnon would openly tell you he doesn't want that when he was asked about potentially becoming captain when Gabe was, you know, right after Gabe had signed the extension, you know, right up at the 11th hour, people asked him like, would you have wanted to be the captain? He was like, no, that is the last thing on earth I want is to be captain of this team. I just want to show up, do my work, score a bunch of goals and go home. Um, you have to want that pressure and all of that and i think gabe uh welcomes it and i think the energy was matched to i think back to when landis gogging was a thing in the same way that like t-bowing became a thing with broncos landis gogging didn't take off in the same way but that no. wasn't something that landis gogging initiated himself it was something that i'm guessing like the team and the fan base created around him 
that I'm sure you could find a thing for McKinnon or Mercar that you could make in the same vein. But I think it is notable that that is something that was shaped around Landis Gog. And it was an, an important moment too. Like he's playing, he's sick as a dog. He has this incredible moment. So they absolutely had reason to create this too. And, and the other thing that I feel like even like we forget sometimes because there have been so many great players that have now come in behind him that have also been really high draft picks, first round, all-stars, uh, you know, first team, all, uh, you know, all NHL, like Gabe Landeskog, like you are talking about a number two overall, number two overall pick, youngest captain in NHL history at one point, uh, you know, captain in his second year with the avalanche. You're, you're right, Megan. Like, I think we can forget sometimes that especially that rookie season, like he was the, 18 year old phenom coming into the organization and there was a lot of attention on him. It wasn't until a couple of years later when Nathan McKinnon came in that kind of that next wave. Um, yeah. So I, I, I let's make sure we don't forget that like Gabe Landeskog is a higher draft pick than Kale McCarr. You know what I mean? And, and uh, youngest captain in NHL history for a few years there. Like he's got some cloud on his name too. All valid points. I'm 100% willing to accept that Gabe Landeskog is the face of the Colorado Avalanche. But if you had to pick an Av to be the face of the NHL, I think it has to be Cal McCarr. Yeah. Yep. I'm with you. I just don't think Nathan McKinnon is even remotely close to that guy, uh, despite being, you know, one of the three best players in the world, potentially. Yep. With McCarr, one, he's doing things that no one else ever is doing yep. so that's going to catapult him to the forefront as well and while he does have a little bit of the hockeyitis where nobody has any character traits and they're all just the same human being all the time in interviews there's at least a little bit of something there with kale you have to you have to drill pretty deep but you get him drinking a slurpee out of the stanley cup you get that one commercial with him and landis god even though everyone yep. hated it i it's- loved it <laughs> i thought it was great Okay. Is is Kale McCarr a good enough face of the NHL? Or do you really need someone who has a little bit more, a little pizzazz to them? I think it's okay to have a few stars. One, because of the differences in positions. I think what Kale McCarr brings about to being a face of the NHL is really groundbreaking in terms of him being a defenseman. I I think the last closest to this I've seen was Eric Carlson, and it comes down to who is going to have an influence over young players who are just having their interest in hockey sparked, and that is going to be someone like Kim McCarr who is going to influence the way that young players want to play the game, the position that they want to play, and I think he has affected that positionally in a way that is very different because we've seen a lot of forwards as the the face of the NHL. in a Crosby, in an Ovechkin, and to have McCarr be what he is because he's a defenseman, I think is important. And as you mentioned, the lore that's building around who McCarr the person is too, I think can carry some weight that this is someone who rejected a penalty and (laughs) his spending is on Slurpees and he thinks Costco is unreal. There is definitely a personality that is relatable and wholesome that I think... The other thing, too, is because it is a sport that is struggling a little bit nationally, you want to 
that's why there's maybe an argument to be made for several faces of the NHL um, to pick a face from other markets that are very popular, where hockey is very popular. Um, so maybe like you pick somebody out east and Makar is a good representative for someone in the west. But I am very pro Makar being a face of the NHL. I just think there might have to be a few just because of what they're trying to combat nationally to get attention. I think he's one, like Megan said, I, I genuinely do. I think Kale McCarr is changing the way that you play defense and the way that not just NHL teams, but hockey teams of all ages and all levels look at defensemen, um, which is not insignificant that you, you don't have a lot of those guys that come around. You have a lot of very good players to change the way the position is doing that i think he's an electrifying player that to the point that kind of kicked this whole conversation off if you are saying you know my favorite story is when my family first moved to colorado and it was the abs first season that next year my mom knew nothing about hockey nothing my dad turned on a game and my mom stood there watched tv shows wow that number 19 guy is really good when someone who knows nothing about a sport can identify who the best players are, that's how you know someone is special. And I think if you showed someone who had never watched an NHL game, an abs game, they would immediately be drawn to a guy like Kale McCart in terms of he stands out in, in the sense of like what he does on the ice. And then, well, I, <laughs> I don't remember which of you said it like, yeah, he, you, I think it was you, Rue. Like, you have to dig pretty deep to get to that, like, personality. But what I like about Kale is he's willing. He's willing. Anything that people ask him to do, anything the NHL asks him to be a part of, he's willing to do it. He's willing to try. It's a little awkward sometimes. He can maybe look a little, uh, you know, stiff or you know, a little uncomfortable. But he's out there, and he's getting more comfortable, and he's trying to do it. Because he, under again, going back to the – he understands the role that he plays in this. In, in that, like, he needs to be, you know, able to appeal to new fans and young kids coming up who want to play the game and things like that. And so I, I appreciate that he tries. First of all, you're a little laggy, big hockey, trying to keep their secrets under wraps, confirmed. Uh, <laughs> secondly, that last bit and what Mary commented in the chat here is kind of what I'm getting at. Yes. People that are already into hockey, lots of people understand Kale McCarr and what a special talent he is, but you get these guys on the national stage and I go walk up to someone who doesn't know anything about hockey and I don't think they're going to know the name Kale McCarr. And that's where and I, I'm not even blaming this on Kale McCarr and NHLers and their Wait, wait, wait. You said if you walk up to who? If I walk to someone who doesn't know anything about hockey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yes, yes, yes. Again, not even blaming the players and their lack of personality and all of that. It's just this weird area where the NHL is at where they don't quite have the national recognition that I think certainly football does. I think basketball has more recognition as well. I think baseball <sighs> struggles similarly to hockey, maybe a Here little bit there, better. You know, I, I think they might do a little bit better job with their faces, like a Mike Trout or something like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, they're they're not that far off from baseball, I would say. So, and, I and don't... what's <laughs> go ahead? Sorry to interrupt you, but what's funny about that is like, isn't it, <laughs> isn't it funny that 
we can definitively say, I think we can all very clearly agree, NFL, NBA are years ahead of where the NHL is at in terms of marketability for its players. I think we can all agree that baseball is probably a little ahead, but not not much, not a ton. And those, the MLB and the NHL are the two most traditional, you know, old guard, don't want things to change. And the NFL and NBA is like, how do we get new fans here? How do we attract? The NFL is its own beast. We could do an entire show about why the NFL is so much different than the NHL in terms of the way it markets everything. Um, but, you know, both of those leagues are, they understand that. Like, the sport is almost secondary in those leagues. It's all about the entertainment and getting people in the door and the spectacle and the event and the this and the that. As where, well, as, as an observer, I appreciate that I do feel like the NHL is really focused on we want the best product on the ice because I, I, I think, and I think the NHL believes this right, wrong, and different, that hockey is the best sport to watch. And I think the NHL operates, well, as long as we have the best product on the ice, as long as we have the most exciting, entertaining sport, people will come watch it. And again, while that's great in theory, like you do have to market this. You do have to push it because it's, it, hockey can be a complicated game. There's a lot of rules. It's hard to follow. It moves quick. The puck is really small. You have to invite people in and say, come be a part of this and we'll show you why it's great. And that's where I think, again, back to McDavid, while I do think he is just kind of a sometimes, like, you have to say, hey, come see how electrifying this guy is. This is what we get all the time. This is this is what's on display every single night. And the NHL just doesn't do a good enough job of that on the whole. You know, looking at some of the chat, I, I feel like this could be a personal opinion, but most hockey players I've known are very quirky. They have a very quirky sense of humor. They are sassy, sarcastic, like a lot of them. But I don't know that. I think they're all really boring. I do think that they reserve that side of themselves from media generally. And so I do think, as Rudo mentioned with Kale specifically, but with players generally, that there are personalities in a lot of them just waiting to be covered, especially among each other. You see a lot of the personality and how they interact with one another. This is why I think, and I don't know outside of all red hockey people how this performed, but like a road to the Winter Classic series with the Flyers mm -hmm. and Rizgala. I think that things like that, especially, I'm kind of deviating from the point too, but rivalry-based things bring outside fans into the sport um, that might be People love interesting. drama. People love drama. And so it's like, okay, maybe it's hard to sell them on a singular person, but maybe we can sell them on drama and conflict, perceived conflict. But that was a separate point. The other point being that I do think a lot of hockey players on the whole do have good personalities. They just don't really show them outside of how they interact with one another. And that's where I think there's a little bit that could be tapped into. So I think that's a great point. Because uh, I, I talk about it all the time and it's applicable in several different situations. Hockey is unique in the way that the in the in terms of the road that players take to get there. To play in the NHL, you not go through a 
in the vast majority of cases. You do not have a typical high school experience. A lot of times you leave home very early, either within your own country or sometimes on the other side of the world you leave to pursue this goal. They spend, I think, more time at the rink than you see other sports, you know, at the gym, at the field, at the, at the whatever. Hockey players coming up, the ones that make it to the NHL, spend 90% of their time with the team, in the locker rooms, on the buses. So they, you're right, Meg, like they have really funny personality. Like they don't have their own little like infrastructure of like a little city and you have your own like, hierarchy and these are the jokesters and this and that. There's just so much time spent together. JT Comfort is my ultimate example. When there's no cameras on, that guy is one of the funniest, most entertaining people to just be around in the locker room. The minute you hit record, yeah, no, we thought we played a good game. We got pucks in deep. We worked real hard and blah, blah, blah. And then you stop and he's messing with guys behind the scenes. He's throwing tape at guys that you're interviewing. Uh, you know, the the day that Logan O'Connor lost the, the uh, University of Michigan DU bet, we all walked in and JT's telling us, like, yep, hey, Logan's talking. Logan's got a plenty for you guys today. Like, go talk to him, whatever, whatever. Um, or whoever it was. I think it was Kale. Uh, actually, it was UMass. And, and it's just like, that's a great example of exactly what you're talking about. These guys are funny. They're interesting. They're quirky. They have things to say. They've seen and done a lot. They, for whatever reason, just shield so much of that from anybody outside of that locker room. I do think it's a culture thing that you need to encourage some of these players to be themselves a little bit more in front of the cameras and on with media, but we could talk about that a little bit more after we tell you about illegal Pete's because if you're going to listen to boring hockey players, you might as well be eating a delicious burrito while you do it. I mean, something's got to make that a little bit better. Uh, they also have a special going on for Super Bowl Sunday. They're doing happy hour all day. So be sure to get in and go check out illegal Pete's. Get yourself whatever you need from them, both a burrito and some delicious margaritas or otherwise. They've got you covered. Delicious stuff all the way around. Again, can't rec recommend it enough. One over by the bar. Great place to pregame before coming down to the DNVR bar for whatever it is you might be doing. Ten different locations here in Colorado to check out. A bunch of fresh ingredients that will take care of you no matter what you need. And we're also brought to you by DraftKings Sportsbook. If you bring a new account, you sign up with code DNBR, you go bet $5 on the Super Bowl, you get $200 in free bets to go bet on whatever you want. Whether that's thinking, I don't, I don't think you can bet on interviews. I don't I don't think DraftKings goes quite that far. You can't bet on whether <laughs> someone's going to call Leon Dreisaitl pissy or not. But you can bet on a, some adventurous stuff, to say the least, when it comes to DraftKings. Uh, not just limited to humans. There are animal races that you can you can bet on too. In the past, they've had the turtle races. Uh, of course, they have things like Kentucky Derby and, and all of the horse racing big ones. So go check it out. Go over to DraftKings Sportsbook today. Uh, must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Uh, other terms, restrictions, and conditions apply. Void in Ohio. And of course, you have a gambling problem. Call 1-800-522-4700. Second period, the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to sidetrack us for just a second. We'll get back to this conversation as a whole in a minute. But if you guys didn't know, LeBron James just broke the all-time NBA yeah. scoring record last Fine. night. And I want to have a couple of conversations here. One, 
Who do you guys think is the LeBron James of the NHL? It's Ovi, right? The, mm. I don't know. Not I don't know. Fair enough. It's 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 so hard because I was actually just talking about this with someone a couple weeks ago. Whose career would you rather have, Sidney Crosby or LeBron James? Take the money out of it. LeBron, I think. And like it's it's just it's funny because like Sidney Crosby, three championships, you know, captain of one team his entire career, uh, you know, owns the city of Pittsburgh at this point, basically. <laughs> uh, and like I think there is something to be said that like he like as a team that drafted him one overall, he helped build him up. They won a championship. There was a dip. He built them back up. They won two more championships. And this is where like the hockey purist in me is just like. See, I'd rather have that. LeBron James is, you know, four teams in six year, you know, whatever championship chasing. I'm not criticizing him like the dude won. He's amazing. He's NBA's all time leading point getter. He's an unbelievable player. But I don't know. I, I don't know who's the LeBron of the NHL. It's, it's Crosby or Ovi. I'd honestly probably say Crosby just because of the way that he kind of dominated the overall game for such a long stretch there. Megan. I. It's a part of the show where Megan just says, I hate basketball. And we move yeah. on. <laughs> so, well, okay. So it's, I actually of the sports that I, that aren't hockey. I actually do enjoy basketball, but I still, if I had a choice of playing hockey for a living or playing basketball for a living, no matter how much success I could achieve at either, I would pick hockey. So it is nothing against basketball, but there's something about the longevity of basketball, like being able to play into older ages that I think, I don't want to say is unique to basketball either. They're both sports that are hard on the body, but for that reason, I, I think Ovechkin has a little bit of that edge in, in that I mm. think he has several seasons left in him too. Uh, that is why he is able to chase some of these records that he has. And that's why maybe the comparison to LeBron feels close in that way. But both Crosby and Ovechkin belong there. It's just the longevity of it that I think is interesting. Because there are really talented players whose careers end around 35. I I think there's definitely an argument to be made for Crosby. Uh, someone in the chat was saying Mario Lemieux or Yager. Uh, sure. I, I'm willing to entertain all of those ideas. <laughs> yeah. Yager doesn't get enough conversation as the GOAT. Does not get enough runway as the greatest of all time. Huge Yager guy. For the moment, let me go with Ovi so I can get to the next part of this question. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and we we saw when LeBron, if you were on Twitter, when LeBron broke the record, there was this weird conversation about oh. the like his celebration of it. And a lot of people liked it. A lot of people didn't like it. It, it. There's a similar thing in hockey, right? Where a lot of people get annoyed when players celebrate too much. I'm not in that camp. I We've had this conversation before. I think players should celebrate everything. I should. <laughs> I think they should absolutely go off. That Jack Hughes celebration the other year where he threw his stick into the crowd, I think is amazing. Sick. Sick. And 
to me, these are, that's the type of things that the NHL needs to target to be more approachable and relatable to people. We've already seen it. The NFL significantly loosened their celebration rules a couple of years ago. Basketball has always been very, very loose with its celebrations. See, this is hard. It's hard for me because I have like a, I have like personal feelings about this. We're like, I've just always been like in the, because you're a hockey person. I know, I know, I know. And that's why it's hard. That's why I'm saying it's hard. Cause I even, I was even jokingly yelling at all the Nuggets fans in the bar last night. The Nuggets were up by like 40 in the first quarter and they were celebrating every bucket. Like it was and, and five look, seconds left. Someone hits a half court three. And it's just, like, for me, it's like, act like you've been there before. I think there's an argument to be made that basketball may have taken this to its extreme. Yeah. Now, now here's the other thing I will say, because I, I do. I like in this vein, I like that right now. And it's not exclusive to Ovechkin. We've seen plenty. We've seen this happen plenty of times over the years, but when a significant record falls, whether it be franchise league, whatever, uh, uh, a, a significant milestone is reached you'll see the entire team pour off the bench and come celebrate with the player. And Ovi's teammates were doing that for every pl- per, uh, player that he passed going up the, the, the ranks. And obviously now there's only one to go. Um, so I, 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 I do like that. I thought it was so bizarre that last night LeBron James breaks a record and they stopped the game in the in the third quarter to bring out media, to bring out his family. They gave him a hot mic that that was into the ESPN feed, that was in the speakers at, at Crypto.com Arena. Like, I thought it was really odd how the game came to a grinding halt to acknowledge this when they were 14 seconds from the end of the quarter. Let the end of the quarter run out and then do all that. I just thought it was really weird and that's something weird that I think I've that I've seen the NBA do a few times, and I just I would hate that. I think there's a middle ground too that the NHL has so much room to embrace more of yeah. individual celebrations. I do appreciate in hockey when players can discern when it is appropriate to celebrate, and yes. I think they withhold though a little too much. But you're right; like there, I do appreciate when a player is. Honestly, like I think of Matt Duchesne a little bit in this conversation, but there will be Big games cheer. where goal goals get scored and it doesn't have an impact on the overall outcome of the game. And I can see, especially if it's like you are trailing by several goals, you maybe don't celebrate that goal. I can understand that, especially if the team performance and effort wasn't there. But looking at how the NHL embraced storm surge with Carolina, I think there's room for improvement here because I didn't see the harm in that. That was after a game. It was for the home crowd, and it was for fans. I don't see the harm in that. I think that's absolutely something fun that they should celebrate and lean into, and it's why I really appreciated that Winnipeg did individual goal songs, and I think that's I something that. that we we could, as the league, embrace a little bit. Stop so- undervaluing individual player milestones. I don't care. I, I When it happened, I didn't care. I was happy for Duchesne that he got 30 and did not care at all that he celebrated, to be honest. See, so so I, I, I will be real. I actually thought in that, in that exact moment, we all make fun of the because it was a legendary press conference from Patrick Wall after, uh, or I guess infamous if you want to look at it that way. Uh but but what I actually liked about the Duchesne one was he threw his hands up and then you can actually see the the he moment where he like realizes yeah. where it's like 
why am I this excited? We just got our asses handed to us on home ice. Um, so uh, again, what the reason, cause like, I, I understand where you're coming from Rudo. Like it's hard to score a goal in the NHL, but like, I, I, I like when players are aware of the moment, because to me, when a player doesn't celebrate a goal, when they're down by five, that's the competitiveness where it's like, why would I be happy about that? I cannot stand of all things in sports. I actually think my least favorite thing in all of pro sports. And I'm being hyperbolic here. It's watching an NFL defensive player when they're down by 35 tackle someone for a loss and get up and flex looking right into the camera. It's like, Hey dude, they've made you look like an idiot for the last two and a half hours. Congratulations. You got one. You look like a clown. Okay. But that content's not for you. I, well, I know, but I, I like who, who is excited about that? Who's like excited about fans who just want to go to the game and be part of like a party. All right. See, Every I, see, time I, they, like they don't care that the score is 30 to six. They just right, want to so, so, flex and do the gritty. Like, right. And so th- then, then I don't know, go start a celebration dance competition. I'm sure TLC will pick it up. Like, I, I just like, I don't know. I want to see th- that's why people claim so much to love college sports and the world juniors. It's because these kids don't have, like they're not making money. Th- this is just like, they just do it. And the NCAA that's changed a little bit in the last couple of years, but like world juniors, the reason the celebrations are so big is because those kids are just there for the, like they're just passionate about it. It's just raw emotion and competitiveness to me the yeah the 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 flexing and getting a group dance together in front of the camera when you're getting your ass kicked on national television late in the fourth quarter i, I don't think that that i don't think anybody's looking for that well, dancing it, with the stars is on channel 13 you know what i mean like a children's game for a job have a little fun with it if you're even down a bunch of points man i don't know <laughs> i wouldn't tell nathan mckinnon hey you have a children's job i'm not going to be the one to deliver that message to him <laughs> It's not a children's job. It's children's or children's game. game. <laughs> Let's get this See, clear. We're not violating any the, labor laws here. I, I, I'm <laughs> the person talking about the nail Yakupov. Sally loved it. Loved it. Big goal. Big moment. End of the game. Hell yeah! Slide the entire way down the ice on your belly. Great moment. <laughs> when you're losing by a thousand, stop celebrating. And, and, and here's the thing, like, I just don't think there's Have that some pride many in what you're doing to celebrate when you're losing by a bunch anyway. Like there, there's not nearly enough celebration in close games. Like I'm asking for more than a fist pump and a, yeah, let's go. I want to see, see stuff like when Ovi scored 50 and he did the hot stick. Like I I'm with you. See, I either, I either think go in, but I also think no Selly at all is just cold as hell. And I love it. Like Nate's Nate's the king of that. He'll just do something nasty as shit. And then just look around like, oh yeah, just another day at the office. Sorry, no big deal. And, that's and I cool. think that's I think that's I think that's equally as cool as a huge Selly. But I'm with you. Dude, we we went through this phase. I actually can't believe we didn't get our asses kicked more. Uh <laughs> when we were like 19 and we could first start playing in men's leagues, we went an entire season where we said, Hey, every goal you jump into the glass. And we did on every goal because it's fun. So it's I'm with fun. you. Either either go big or do nothing because that's equally as sick. Do you remember the bang bang dance? 
Yeah. I do remember that. We just need more dancing. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We just had a very lengthy conversation about why we weren't crazy enough dancing. I think something like the bang bang dance is cool. The problem is they yeah. do that after the game is over as they're going into the locker room and everyone's turned the game off. So nobody sees that unless you're like a diehard avalanche fan. You have no idea what the bang bang dance is. I agree. I agree and disagree with you. Part of the reason no one knows what it is because I was during an era where they got to do it 11 times a season, <laughs> but like the, like the Linus Olmark and, and the Swayman thing, like that has become a thing. The, the Felino Bobrovsky hugs became a thing. Storm surge became a thing. I think there is an appetite for it, but I, I also think one of the points I was going to make earlier Here's the other problem hockey has, and this is where I think the NHL really struggles with how do we appeal to new fans yet satisfy our existing fans. I do think there is a bit of gatekeeping in hockey fans in the sense of like, one, I could just end the sentence there. There's a bit of gatekeeping with hockey fans. Just and a bit. two, <laughs> I think there is like this weird thing. Paul Bissonnette, love him or hate him, however you feel about him, I, I don't care. I'm not getting into that conversation. But, like, he has tried. They are trying TNT, the NHL. Like, they are trying to make this guy, you know, a, a face of the game in one way or the other. But there are people that just don't respect what he has to say because he sucked. Like, he just wasn't good. And I think there is this weird thing with hockey fans where, you know, I saw a bunch of people talking about P.K. Subban earlier his play just fell off such a cliff that I think a lot of hockey fans just kind of wrote him off. Like, Oh, well, he's not any good anymore. Why would I listen to what he has to say? Even though he is super personal and he is a great personality and he knows a sh an insane amount about hockey and, and it, they just won't accept it because he's, he didn't finish his career as an elite player. And I do think that's another part of the problem here is the NFL and the NBA, they're like, hey, if you're interesting, if you have things to say, you're you're you you dress crazy, you you know, you show up to the arena like this, whatever, we're gonna we're gonna plaster you all over the screen, all over the billboards. And the NHL is like, mm, but are you good? And if you're not a top five player in the league, nobody wants to hear from you. I think that's another problem the NHL has that you got to figure out a way to get around. I put Trevor Zegras in the poll earlier, and a bunch of people like turn their noses up, and it's like the NHL invited him to the skills competition last year. He's on the cover of NHL 23. They put him in all kinds of promotional material because he does cool shit, but he's not good enough for it, some people. It's, and it's wild. It's time to stop this old boys club mentality. And, and baseball has this issue as well, where like the, the old fogies are like, which the sports supposed to be played a certain way. You do this yep. exact thing. You do. I no. Let the team do whatever the hell they want, especially if they're a team that's winning. If this, if it's a player that's really good, what are you going to say to him if he's dominating every single night? Like, right? I'm not about it. Not about that at all. Let the let the new era take over. Yep, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Yeah, I think we didn't embrace PK and the personality that he had well when he was a player. And I liked what he brought to the table for the All-Star game. Like, he is a personality that I hope emerges. And they just have to feed into it, though, and give him consistent reps. Because I do think he's going to be a great addition to national coverage of the league. In See, I hated what he did at the All-Star game, but that was nothing to do with him and everything to do with the overall event. They, 
<laughs> there was no save in that. <laughs> yeah, it was it was just one of those things where it's like, I like PK being here, but we're already moving so slow. I don't need PK talking for five minutes in between these shots. And, Nothing to do with him. And kind of to reinforce the same things that you guys have been saying, the other big name when this new deal with TNT and ESPN came out for NHL is, okay, TNT goes out and gets Wayne Gretzky. Wayne Gretzky is a big name within hockey, even beyond hockey. People know who Wayne Gretzky is, at least, yep. uh, you know, other than some of these young I, I would I would say most people do. Sure. The problem is, okay, you went out and got a name recognition guy. I'm sorry. Wayne Gretzky is a boring on the cast. I am falling asleep. Yep. <laughs> and... and like I don't even blame him because he's Wayne Gretzky. His his analysis of hockey is yeah, just do it better because I did. Right, right, right. right. <laughs> well, and like this is again, I I I know all kinds of people have all kinds of thoughts about Barstool and and Paul Bissonnette, and that's not what I'm talking about. But like again, TNT. It was just funny because like we're gonna put Paul Bissonnette, this this guy who has this huge internet presence, large following on Twitter you know, a lot of young fans and you can't argue or deny the success of the spit and chicklets pod. And wow, look at all this. All right. So we got him. What do you think? Wayne Gretzky and Rick Tockett to go with them on the panel. It's like, what are we doing? What are we doing here? It's just, it's anytime it feels like they make a stride to appeal to that next wave of, of audience, regardless of how you feel about the personalities are getting to do that. They then strap them with two or three, old guard hockey traditionalists. And it's like, yeah, you're never going to get anywhere with this. You're, you're just running in place. And it's, it's really frustrating to watch. Maybe we should be thanking them because that makes people actually tune into my watch alongs. Uh, right, right, right. Wait, is this true? I have no idea. Is it the, the Av Stanley cup thing is on ESPN plus tonight. That would be, it, it broke earlier. Yeah, it broke right before you guys went live. Really? Well, I know because what our my, Friday show is going to be about. Very cool. I was going to say, my sister has been harassing me to find out when this is happening for months. Tomorrow or that. tonight, apparently. Uh, it says Thursday. Is today Thursday? Today is Wednesday. Yeah, so tomorrow on ESPN+. Plus. I was just thinking about that last night because, again, my sister texted me. And I was like, I need to ask Avs PR about that uh, when they get back in town. And look at that. Thanks, Ben and Tiff, for confirming. Easy, how easy life like that. Uh, on that note, we are brought to you by Breckenridge Brewery, which is giving away the ultimate fan experience all you have to do is go to dnvr avalanche twitter account give us a follow go to the breck brew twitter account give us a follow uh and then hit the link in the tweet that talks about the ultimate fan experience and you'll be entered to win i believe it's tickets in row five at ball arena for the abs game on march 3rd or 5th i forget which day now there you go march 9th i wasn't even nice. close <laughs> Wasn't even in the ballpark. March 9th, you get row five tickets, you get a parking pass, you get access to the rich people area up in Club Lexus, and you get two free DNVR shirts of your choice. So you get a little bit of everything when it comes to the ultimate fan package. You got to get in on it. Sponsored by Breck Brew. If you don't get in on it or if you don't win, at least get yourself some Breck Brew at your local liquor store. All right. 
also, when you're going down to the arena, you know, maybe you're driving, maybe you're taking a, taking an Uber, something like that. If something unfortunate does happen, if you do get in an accident, that's not your fault. You're covered by Bacchus and Shanker. Call them at 222-2222. They will take on your case for completely free. And if you do have a case, they will represent you for free until you win the case. So it costs you literally nothing with these guys. And they have you completely covered. Motorcycle, car, ride share, or even if you get injured at work, they've got you covered. They just want to get you the compensation you deserve. Over the last 25 years, they've won over a billion dollars for their clients. So they're pretty good at what they do. Uh, We talk about this all the time, but if you're like over the age of 12 in Colorado, you know who Bacchus and Shanker are, right? Like they're everywhere in this state. So you know what's up. If you've been injured, give them a call. Press two for a while. Bacchus and Shanker will keep you covered and win what you deserve. Third period of the DNVR Avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I want to get us a little bit back on topic here and talk about characters because surprisingly, something the NHL does very well is create villains. <laughs> people like Jordan Bennington. I think a lot of people feel about this way about Matt Kachuk. Yeah. I've been trying to figure out why Kachuk got the low score in the breakaway challenge, the all-star game, the one judge. Because what he yeah, did I, was terrible. Everyone should have given him twos and ones. I, I agree with that take for the most part. <laughs> Truba, that's a really good. Jacob Truba, yeah. Brad Marchand. Absolutely. <laughs> like as, as much as you, what's crazy about Brad Marchand is how good he is. Like that's a, like that's the other thing I think is important to a villain and like why I think Truba is a decent one, like an emerging one, because like they're good. They're not just well, goons that are out of the league in two years. So I guess my question is. Can the NHL find an answer to that or is it OK to just make a villain the face of the league? <sighs> Tom Wilson, absolutely. Yeah, he's a good one. I, I I think if I'm trying to think of a better one, I mean, like, I think you can if, make an if, argument that some people turned Crosby into a villain. Oh yeah. Yeah. Guys that are LeBron James. Let's take it back to that. Yeah. Like, is it not easy as hell to hate LeBron James? Um, For sure. Yeah. I don't know. That's an interesting question. Can you can you make the can, can you make the face of the league a villain? I don't know. I don't know. My 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 instinct says no. I don't know. For the record, it was Passed. confirmed that Zegras did not talk about his dad. Yeah, yeah. It, it was yeah. It, he said nothing. My personal conspiracy theory is was saying stuff about his girlfriend, but mm. it wasn't his dad. Um, Zegras, see, Zegras is actually an interesting one in this conversation. I think, like, you go back to the 
Tyson Nash stuff from last year where he was all mad about the showboating and hot dogging. Like, is there an argument to be made that Trevor Zegras is becoming a bit of a villain, like around the league? Like he didn't just in the way that he plays and just like the, I've never seen uh, Siri. You didn't get that. Cause I wasn't talking to you. Like I've, I don't know what he said. I've tried to find out. I don't know. So I'm not defending what he said or anything like that, but it just, in terms of becoming a villain, I've never seen a player react to something that was said to him on the ice, the way that Troy Stetcher did. And like between apparently what he says when he's shit talking people and just the way that he kind of plays where he just makes guys look dumb out there. He's tried the Michigan like 10 times at this point. He's gotten it half of them. Is Trevor Zegers a villain? I wouldn't put him at a villain status yet. Mostly because he's too dope to be a villain yet. But if he keeps it up, maybe he could become a villain for sure. See, I almost like that. Like it's, it's, you could tell people from outside, like, yeah, watch this kid. Everybody hates him because he's so sick. And he just makes everyone look dumb all night long. Official, this is my official campaign to paint Trevor Zegras as the, 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 the skilled villain. Yeah. The skilled the skillin', villain. If you will. So good you hate him. <laughs> I mean, maybe a better reputation to have than Jordan Bennington, who everyone thinks is a punk or. Tyler Bertuzzi, who everyone hates for various bad reasons. Mm-hmm. He would be a different sort of villain because right. there is something about him that's mischievous and yes. childlike, though. I don't think he always has malicious intent. I was telling Jesse after the Anaheim game, I was in the Anaheim locker room instead of the Avs. And he was just loud. He was screaming, where's the pizza? And he was doing his own play-by-play of some of the goals that were scored. Like he was a broadcast announcer. It was just a very loud personality. And most people in the room weren't really paying him much mind or like smiling. But no one was bothered by this. But he is very, I don't want to say immature, but animated. It's and maybe Anna. I don't know. It's a combination of things that I didn't think was bad. Like I didn't think this was bad, but I see why if you're on the opposite side of it, why it might be annoying, but it really wasn't malicious and intent. Now I can't speak to what happened with Stetcher to be fair. That happened after mm-hmm. the Anaheim game too. So it was tough. Cause I was sort of coming to his defense. Like I think he's just a little misunderstood. He's really young. He acts like a child. It could be fun and entertaining, but I could see why it would annoy older players and, old guard hockey people and and see that's why i think he might be a good first villain face of the nhl because he is so talented but like even on nights where they've mic'd him up like he's just out there talking and yelling and you know talking shit and making jokes and laughing and all that stuff and i think you're right megan like i think there are a lot of older players in the league who could be bothered by that and then he goes and pulls a Michigan on him after toe dragging three guys and putting it through another one's legs. And, and it's just like, you, you hate him and you, but like to, to kick his ass, you have to catch him. You know what I mean? And like, like when he he's a slippery little guy player stick because he didn't know better. And right. Right. It's it's, there's an innocence to it. Like I, I don't know how and he, and he straight that. ripped it out of that dude's hands. Yeah, he did. And he's like, I don't know. I saw 
Bobby do it one time, Bobby Ryan do it one time. So I thought it was okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I'm officially petitioning to make him the villain of the NHL slash the evil face. The evil I'm, face. I'm here for it. I'm here for the, the heel of the NHL. Confirmed. Can someone just Photoshop me Trevor Zegras as like Darth Vader or something like that? Because that's. He seems like Hamburglar villain. Like, not. I was going to say, Darth Vader might be a little too badass. Yeah. Um, no. What's the less? Like, like Mojo Jojo from like Powder Puff oh Girls or something God. like that. Needs to be shopped onto like Kenny Omega. He's absolutely a wrestling <laughs> heel. All right. <laughs> they even have similar hair. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> uh,. uh there is one other topic I want to touch on before we get out of here. And it's a bit of an interesting conversation because when Sid and Ovi kind of came to power and became the faces of the league. Ooh, swiper, maybe. Sorry. <laughs> I, I think what helped Sid and Ovi's rise as the faces of the league were that there was a pretty clear passing of the torch, a changing of the guard in that era. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Gretzky had retired a handful of years ago, but you had players like Forsberg and Lindros whose careers petered out, unfortunately, due to injury. And it kind of just opened the path for new superstars to rise very quickly. And we haven't seen that in this era. Sid and Ovi continue to be extremely good, if not all world-level hockey players. And you're left with this kind of clash of the greats of the last era still competing with the greats of the new era. Now, there's nothing you can do to stop that. I get that. But will we see a rise of a new face three, four, five years down the line when guys like Sid and Ovi start retiring? So I said on Twitter, uh, talking back and forth with someone that I I. Personally, the way I, per- despite everything that we just talked about, I personally think that for the next two years, Alex Ovechkin is the face of the league. He is driving to break a record that people thought was unbreakable, would stand forever, that no matter how the league changed, the Wayne Gretzky, you know, he has several, but goals was one of them that no one will ever touch. It's happening. Like the, the hunt is on for Ovi to break this record. And I think he kind of gets to be reinvigorated as the face of the league. And then once he breaks the record, in my opinion, that is when you will see this shift to the next generation, the next wave, because Crosby's is still only what three years removed from a Stanley cup championship. And Ovechkin is chasing down the NHL's all time goal record. Like these guys are still making meaningful contributions to the league and to the sport. And until they stop doing that, I, I I think that, no, you haven't seen the passing of the torch. Once that happens, I I, I think that's when, yeah, I'll right, repeat myself. Be, the passing of the torch old, happens. Jesse? What? You ready to feel old? No, I'm not. There's already a few things that have happened yeah, that are very Penguins upsetting. The Cup was six years ago. When they went back to back? Yep, 2017 was the second one.
See, I okay, yeah. I mean, I guess now that I'm sitting here thinking about it, that does sound right. I just thought it was two back to backs in a row, but it was them, Washington, St. Louis, then Tampa, Tampa, Colorado. Yep. Yep. All right. All right. Well, what do I know? I just work here. I don't think Sid will ever leave Pittsburgh. No. I think he finished his career with the Abs one year, one season with the Abs. I'm be, I'm being that serious. I've said this for years. I think I think he'll go through the end of that deal. It'll be this. Does he retire? Does he not? Da, 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 da. I think he comes and plays one year with Nate because the abs will be in a window and he's gonna say, Can we do it once? Cole Harbor, and then he hangs him up. It's you heard it here first. And then he'll sign a one day deal with the pens and he'll retire a pen and all of that. But I think he'll take one last kick at the can. With the abs. I think this is I'm leaving that where it was, Jesse. I'm not touching that. <laughs> I'll t- I'll I, touch it again. Sid to the abs as soon as his it won last year. His last year, Sidney Crosby to the Colorado Avalanche. It's February sixth. What day is it? Eight. February eighth. What is happening? I don't know <laughs> what year it is. I don't know what day it is. Jesse at this <laughs> He's point. a time traveler. All I know is Sidney Crosby is coming to the abs because I'm a time traveler and I've come from the future to tell you that Sidney Crosby is coming to the abs. I'm not a Sidney Crosby hater, so I have no issue with this. But I'm thinking about how it's easy to market two players like Ovechkin and Crosby who are on competitive teams, sort of in the height peak of them stepping into being the players that they are. And I think back to like when Tampa was looking at three-peat who of Tampa could have been the face of the NHL and like were they trying to make anyone the face of the NHL because I do feel like that's a missed opportunity to have teams that are competitive in back-to-back years and not seek out somebody to market a little bit more I think that this is a criticism of just kind of the whole NHL like it's not specific to just Tampa but I do think it's interesting that it was easy slam dunk to market Ovi and Crosby as they're coming up in their careers when they have competitive teams around them. But I I think it's tough, like Edmonton having the failures that they have had. Austin Matthews, a very talented player, keeps hitting frustration in Toronto. Like, I I think it's been tough to have the torch even pass, like Jesse said. You you just said something, Megan, that actually you made two great points like 30 minutes apart, and they just connected in my mind. Because you mentioned easy, you said rivalries are easy to sell. As much as the NHL lost from the 05 lockout, one thing they did gain out of it was two generational players, two number one overalls coming into the league at the same time, and they were able to pit Crosby and Ovechkin against each other from day one of their careers. And if you go and look up their point totals, year, you know, career to date, it's shocking how close they are like it has been Crosby versus Ovechkin for so long and it's just you you never since you haven't gotten like dueling one overalls like that because one overalls always come straight into the league and they tried to do it with uh McDavid and Eichel but it was about as successful as the LeBron and Mello rivalry was it's like yeah, these are both very good players, but it's pretty obvious to everybody watching they're not on the same level. Um, and so that's a, 
again, like I said, you said that earlier about rivalries and then you were just talking about how easy it was to market them together. I do think that is something that factored into it that the NHL was able to market it as Crosby versus Ovechkin four times a year and how many times in the playoffs, Olympics, World Championships. It was always, it was never Russia and Canada. It was never Penguins and Capitals. It was never defending champs versus, you know, it was, it was Crosby and Ovechkin, the dueling hat tricks, uh, you know, comes to mind. There were just so many great moments that were built around Crosby versus Ovechkin. And I just don't know if you have any two players in the league right now that, that have that dynamic. Yeah, it's tough with the Tampa thing. I, they tried to do it a little bit with Kucherov, but I don't know. It just didn't really bullshit. Yeah, I, I mean that's an all-time interview, but right. Well, their other problem was they won the cup and then Kucherov sat for nine months. <laughs> yeah, it's true. <laughs> yeah, he he also has um, effort issues at time, and I just don't know if he cares enough to be the face of the NHL. It's just really hard. I even see people mentioning Bedard. If you saw his interview after WJCs. Not saying he's not a great guy. Not saying it wasn't super adult of him to say, hey, we're not talking about me right now. We're talking about our team. Still slots into the hockey media robot 101 right there. Nate Nate did it last year when everyone was trying to build up the McKinnon versus McDavid narrative. He was like, yeah, no, I'm not too worried about that. We're trying to win the Western Conference final and blah, 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 blah. There's just... Another great Megan point from earlier in the show. You mentioned the drama. Like, what's the drama with these individual players? Again, the the, the dueling hat tricks in that playoff series, Crosby and Ovechkin, that's drama. These two superstars are dragging their teams, kicking and screaming to the finish line all by themselves, and they're doing it up against each other. We're watching these two guys literally make a game out of thin air just on their own merit. And I think you have individuals that do that. I think we've seen Kale McCarr do that. I think we've seen Nathan McKinnon do that. Connor McDavid does that a lot, but like, there's no, there's no hat trick the other way. You know, I think there was a lot of hope that you would get that in abs Oilers Western conference final, but the abs were just so much better than Edmonton that that really wasn't that competitive of a series. Uh, that eh, eh, what's the drama? Well, if you want to go to a game and watch a little bit of drama yourself, game time is the way to do it. Be sure to jump into game time with the link down in the description of the video. Over 15 million people have used it. And when you use the link down there, it helps us out a little bit too. You get tickets for up to 60% off of face value. So absolutely insane deal to go through game time and get in on the tickets that way. Their site and app are great. If you go into them, they have all the features. You can see where you're sitting. You can see the view from there. You can see all that stuff, which thankfully there's not really a bad seat in Ball Arena. But there are some buildings out there where you want to check your seat and make sure you're not staring at a pole instead of the action. So be sure to do that. Again, link down in the description to go to game time. If you're not using game time to get your tickets, uh, unfortunately, we're actually sold out of game tickets on the party bus. But if you already have tickets, 
there are still some seats left on the bus if you want to ride down with us and ride back to the bar. It's only 20 bucks to get a ticket on the bus, so it's literally cheaper than parking at the arena, and you get free beers on the bus too. So you're you're just making yourself a good deal, and you get to have a good time with us after the game come party at the bar. I don't want to jinx it or anything, but a team has never lost at Ball Arena during a party bus. The Nuggets are 4-0, the Avs are 2-0 when we do a party bus. So your odds of winning, seeing a game where the Avs win, pretty good. Just throwing it out there. That's all I'm saying. Either way, you can... Uh, now you if they lose, them. you know who to blame. Oh yeah, 100%. We'll, we'll take that one. That's fine. That's on me. Uh, you can go to the dnvrlocker.com today to get your ticket on the bus if you want. I think that about does it, unless you guys have any final thoughts you want to add. I'm good. All right. We're going to get out of here for the day. Of course, a game tomorrow. You know, you'll have full coverage, pregame, postgame, all that good stuff from us. So be sure to tune into that. Like and subscribe here on YouTube. That helps us out a ton. If you missed the YouTube video, you can always catch us as a podcast on whatever podcast platform you prefer. We appreciate all y'all, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.